You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live here on the RPR Network. I'm one of your hosts this morning, Brandon Clark. And I'm Brad Gray. And we are the B-Squad. We are that. Because our names start with B. (laughs) In case you didn't. Because nope. you didn't pick up on that. <laughs> no, no other indication, right? <laughs> well, if you missed our first half hour, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. We reflected on the daily gospel from the Gospel of John. We also had some uh, Christmas reflections that uh, we shared. And Brad, before we move on to our next guest, I do want to point out that the saint of the day is, is actually a powerhouse saint, mm. especially for us in the United States, mm. uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. And for our listeners, I just want to uh, read a, a brief reflection from I Brevery about uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. So, Elizabeth Seton was born on August 28, 1774, of a wealthy and distinguished uh, Episcopal, Episcopalian family. She was baptized in the Episcopal Church, and she was a faithful she was a faithful adherent of it until her conversion to Catholicism. In 1974, she married William Seton, and they raised five children amid suffering and sickness. Mm. Elizabeth and her frail husband traveled to Italy, and there William died. While in Italy, she became acquainted with Catholicism, and in 1805, she made her profession of faith in the Catholic Church. She established her first, first Catholic school in Baltimore in 1808. In 1809, she established a religious community in Ebbetsburg, Maryland, and after seeing the expansion of her small community of sisters to New York and as far as St. Louis, she died on January 4th, today, 1821, and was declared a saint by St. Paul VI on September 14th, 1975, becoming America's first right. native-born yeah. saint. Yeah. Any thoughts as you hear a little bit about her history? I, I mean, some of the things that you mentioned in yeah. the reflection are some of the things that you might Yeah, I know, with. I know. <laughs> as you say that, she was... She had five kids that were sick and dealing with a lot of that stuff. We have five kids at home right now, uh, a couple adult daughters as well. Uh, but uh, that I, I was able to sympathize very much with that because it has been just a bit grueling, especially the last several weeks, uh, very little sleep. And, and I have to say that I've seen just a, an extraordinary level of sanctity out of my wife who is constantly giving, constantly uh, sleep-deprived, and yet constantly patient with our children, with me, uh, you know, just doing everything she can to to hold the house together. So I just kind of I felt like as you were reading that that we've got a, a new patron for this this moment in our life right now. So that was pretty fantastic. There you go. The Lord provides, right? Thank you, Jesus. So Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, pray for us. Amen. All right, our next guest this morning is an author, <clears throat> but he's not just an author. He has had an incredible story battling alcoholism, finding healing, and God's infinite power. We have Joe McGivney joining us this morning. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well. And yourself? Blessed, yes. I'm very well. Thank you. So talk a little bit about yourself. So you wrote a book. The book is called Your a Miracle, My Story of Alcoholism, Miraculous Healing, and God's Infinite Power and Love. Now, you didn't just wake up one day and write a book about things that you'd never experienced, obviously. So where does this all begin for you? Well, I guess I, I think it really all begins with, um, you know, just to give you a little background, my, my upbringing. Um, I was a cradle Catholic, born and raised on the south side of Chicago. And um, like all good Catholics, um, 
we celebrated all the sacraments, weddings, funerals, communions, confessions, or not confessions, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, we were raised in the area that I grew up in, everybody was Catholic. Um, I even went on to an all-boys Catholic high school, Brother Rice in Chicago. Um, but throughout, throughout my Catholic upbringing, I never really formed a a true connection with my faith or with my church. Um, I certainly believed in God, but I, I don't know that I had that connection, you know, to nobody's fault. It, it just didn't happen for me. So when I went off to college and no longer had to go to Mass and no longer had to participate in the church, I just stopped. Um, and then, you know, go, growing up through college and then into my early adulthood, um, I, I guess I started becoming more and more selfish, uh, but I also started becoming more and more of an alcoholic. Um, my love affair with alcohol began at a very young age. It was the summer between my seventh grade and eighth grade, and I remember that first drink like it was yesterday. Um, as a young, you know, young man at that point, I always felt like I really didn't belong. Um, I, I had a lack of confidence. I was somewhat shy, somewhat quiet. And I'll never forget after, you know, choking down that first beer, um, I felt like suddenly I had changed. And my fears, my anxieties, my worries, my doubts all drifted away instantly. And... Uh, after that first night of drinking, when when I had three cans of old-style beer, um, I woke up the next morning with my first hangover, and I think a normal person would have said, gosh, I'm never going to do that again. Uh, I was the opposite. I could not wait to do that again. Mm. And my my love affair with drinking was just off to the races. Wow. That, uh, that's, that's a... Um, it's a powerful encounter that you had there joe and and i can see where uh you you have this experience of like everything's gone away all the troubles in my life uh this is great so as you as you began to move deeper into this you um you began you met nicole your wife at some point tell us a little bit about that yeah nicole actually is my second wife so uh, after college in my early adulthood um i entered the investment industry professionally um, and started to experience a lot of success. And I ultimately, in my early 30s, said, well, it's probably time for me to settle down. Met my first wife. Um, we were married in the church. Uh, we had two wonderful, wonderful children that are, were baptized Catholic. Um, but my, my marriage really lacked couple things. Number one, it lacked my sobriety. You know, my alcoholism continued to um, progress. And number two, it lacked any kind of faith connection. Um, my first wife uh, and I both just didn't see what was in it for us to both, you know, get involved in the church, to attend Mass, and we didn't see also that the importance of raising our children that way. Um, long story short, then we ultimately were divorced, and soon after, that's when I met my, my now wife, Nicole. Okay. 
So was there, when you had that kind of first experience of things going away, of problems going away, were there things that, that like prompted, like, I need to escape? That you had, did you have, were there, was there trauma events from your childhood that led to this, or was it just kind of the exhilaration of, of being drunk? No, that's a great question because I know many alcoholics do carry some childhood or early, you know, adulthood trauma with them. That was not the case for me. Uh, I grew up in a wonderful environment with two incredibly loving parents, um, supportive. You know, we, we were a solid upper middle class family. We wanted for nothing. Um, I could not have had a better childhood than I had. So my, my, I guess, defective character really, you know, rests fully on me. Uh, and I think for me, a lot of it just had to do with, um, A, never having had that initial real connection, and B, I, I was just very selfish. And most of the decisions that I made were based around my holy trinity at that time, which was me, myself, and I. And if there was nothing in it for me, it just wasn't even something I would consider doing. Joe, in the 12-step process, the first step is admitting that you have a problem, and that can actually be one of the hardest steps for, for people to begin the process to healing. When did you actually realize and accept that you were an alcoholic? For me, I had, God had to literally you know, bring me to my knees before I was finally finally looked in the mirror and said, you have a, you, you have a problem, Joe. Um, that occurred for me after um, a nine-week period. Um, at the beginning of COVID, I, I started drinking throughout the day every single day, starting in early March of 2020. On December 30th of 2020, my body completely collapsed. Mm. Uh, I spent the following nine weeks in and out of uh, in different institutions, including three hospitals, with my last stop being a locked psych ward called St. Mary's Hospital here in West Palm Beach, Florida. At that point, during that nine-week period, my brain structures had started changing, and I had succumb to a horrific neurological condition called wet brain. The medical term is Korsakoff's psychosis. And that, that led me ultimately to uh, a treatment center. My family transferred me from the psych ward to an alcohol treatment center that agreed to hold me for 30 days until my family found a permanent institution for me. And in that tr treatment center is where my miraculous, spontaneous healing occurred, mm. which, which was followed by my finding my way into AA inside that treatment facility and finally, for the first time in my life, admitting it took literally me near, nearly dying or maybe worse yet, me living all my, the rest of my natural life as a psychotic Looney Tune, it took that before I finally recognized and accepted that I was an alcoholic. Wow. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're visiting with Joe McGivney about his book, You're a Miracle, His Story of Alcoholism, Miraculous Healing, and God's Infinite Power and Love. We do need to step away for a break, but don't go anywhere because we are going to continue our discussion about his miraculous healing 
and his infinite and and uh, or his connection with God and his infinite love. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. I want to share with fellow business owners how underwriting Real Presence Radio has been a tremendous blessing to our clinic. Supporting Real Presence Radio as an underwriter allows me to support the mission and work of the new evangelization and also helps us spread the word about Catholic patient-centered eye care in the Fargo-Moorhead area. We've seen a huge return on investment with new patients who found out about Lumen Vision through RPR. If you're a business owner, I'd highly encourage you to consider underwriting Real Presence Radio. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of RPR, and I hope you will be too. God's blessings to all of you today as you are listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Father Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. What a wonderful gift and a grace that we have in our Holy Church is that we have a Holy Mother, Jesus' Mother, who loves us so very much, and she prays for us. Isn't it wonderful to have a mother on our side, a mother who prays for us, a mother who loves us as Christ as our brother? Then that means that Mary is truly our mother, our spiritual mother. And so as you pray that beautiful gift of the Hail Mary, let each of these prayers be as roses that is presented before her holy feet, and she brings our prayers and lays them before her son, Jesus, and all of us. Always listen to our mother. Listen to what our mother is asking you. Come to the Savior. Come to my Son. Come to Jesus Christ. Let us run to Mary and as her little children cast ourselves in her arms with a perfect confidence. St. Francis de Sales. Join together with families across the local area for the Rosary, nightly here on Real Presence Radio. On Wednesday through Monday nights, tune in at 8 p.m. Central and on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Gather the whole family together and pray this powerful prayer with us. Join us for the Rosary Wednesday through Monday at 8 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central here on the RPR Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm your host this morning. Well, one of your hosts anyway, Brandon Clark, joined and I'm by Brad Gray, right here. Brad Gray. I can't forget Brad. I mean, <laughs> We're very close. Who can forget Brad? <laughs> just, just uh, a little bit less than Brandon. That's just, <laughs> just missing a little bit of Brandon. Well, in letters, in letters, <laughs> n- not in uh, in personality <laughs> or, or anything like that. So uh, we're visiting right now with Joe McGivney about his book, You're a Miracle, his story of alcoholism, miraculous healing, and God's infinite power and love. We had talked before the break about his journey through alcoholism, uh, a big moment that happened on December 30th, 2020, where he literally lost his mind. He collapsed on the living room floor, didn't have another coherent thought for nine weeks. He ends up in in St. Mary's uh, facility and uh, that is where we pick up the story because this is where he experienced a miraculous healing. So, Joe, thanks for staying with us over the break. Talk a little bit about that miraculous healing. Sure. So I um, was transferred on March, I believe it was the 5th, 
um, from the Loxite Ward at St. Mary's into an alcohol treatment facility. The reason I was transferred out of St. Mary's is the diagnosis was that I had full-blown Korsakoff psychosis and that I would be that way for the rest of my life. Mm. Now, that way, what did that mean? Um, I was hallucinating. I didn't know anybody in my family. I didn't recognize anybody. I was violent. Uh, Most of the time that I was there, I came to learn I was restrained. Um, My family, again, uh, for people that are diagnosed with Korsakoff psychosis, there's really primarily two paths that you end up walking down. One is you die. And I came really close early on in my uh, nine-week period of doing just that. Or two, which is 80% of the people that get diagnosed with it spend the rest of their lives just completely crazy. Mm. And that's, that's the group I was in. So Nicole, by the grace of God, found this treatment facility that agreed to babysit me for 30 days while she could try to find a permanent home. But the day after they checked me into that treatment facility, and I have no memories of any of this, by the way, I woke up the following morning and I was completely spontaneously healed Mm. with no physical, psychological, or mental deficits of any kind. And there is no medical explanation for that. It just does not happen. That's when we all came to be aware that I had experienced a true healing miracle, um, which left me always wondering why. Mm-hmm. You know, I certainly wasn't the only alcoholic in the world, and this certainly wasn't the only psychotic person in the world. Why did God choose to save me? And in that treatment facility, ultimately, I started going to AA meetings. I just, you know, learned that through the 12 steps of AA, that the only way I was going to get sober and live a happy, joyful life was going to be to surrender everything to God. Mm. And in that treatment center, I learned how to do that. After my time there, I was let back into the real world. Um, And it became really important for me to, to start serving others. So at that point, I joined the Knights of Columbus, Mm. founded by my relative, Blessed Michael McGivney. And soon after that, um, I think I figured out what the why I was saved part. Um, During all of my institutional time, I have a, a, a relative, my Aunt Jerry, who's a devout Catholic and a nurse. She was the one advocating for me and talking to my family about what the doctors were saying, et cetera, et cetera. But we also came to learn she was also praying fervently to our relative, Blessed Michael. Mm. And after I joined the Knights, when I shared with her that I had just become a Knight, she started sobbing. And I, mm. you know, I was thrown off. I, was, I thought she would be really happy. <laughs> and, she, and, rather, and now she's literally sobbing. Like, Jerry, what's going on? And she said, Joey, I've never shared this with you, but I was praying to God, to Mary, to anyone who would listen, but I was fervently praying to Father Michael. Wow. Wow. 
If you're just tuning in, we're visiting with Joe McGivney about his book that he wrote, uh, Battling Alcoholism and Finding Miraculous Healing, um, and also his connection with Blessed Michael McGivney. Uh, Joe, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I, I want to back up for just a second. So you had mentioned you had gone through the uh, the, the 12 Steps program. Um, one of those steps is, is making a list of all the persons that we had harmed and, and becoming willing to make amends to them all. Um, ha- had you made it through that step, what, what was that like going through those, uh, recognizing like what alcoholism had done in your life? You know, that I, I was blessed again. I was so fortunate that when I got out of the treatment facility, a couple things happened. On my During my discharge meeting where they were just kind of telling, you know, asking me, What's, what are you going to do next? You're leaving here tomorrow. This woman literally blessed me. With, you know, they, it was a God moment, no doubt. She asked me what I was going to do when I got out, and I, I said, don't worry, I, I got this. And, and she shook her head and said, Joe, you don't got this. You're sick. You're an alcoholic. You need help. I can see you're going to be a little stubborn on this, but I'm going to challenge you to make two promises to, you, to yourself. Number one, the day you get out of here, which is tomorrow, immediately find an AA meeting and attend your first meeting in the real world within 24 hours. Mm. Number two, on her computer, pulled up a surrender prayer, which is in the book, and you can be found by anybody by just Googling surrender prayer in all caps, and it's a long Catholic prayer. Mm-hmm. She said, print that off when you get home tomorrow immediately and start praying it every day. So the long story short, through the steps, which as you mentioned, includes making amends, my sponsor brilliantly walked me gently through the steps and we put in the time and we put in the work and and it's it's work but it's so simple Mm. and over a period of only weeks it was only a period of a few months where everything in my world just began to change Mm. and that beautiful gift of learning through the steps how to surrender my will and my life to God every single day has transformed everything about me. So, Joe, how does that, you know, now on the other side of this miracle, how, what have been some of the things that you have most valued in your relationship with the Lord? Like, what are some of the ways that he's continued to, uh, to be present to you? Well, the gift, first off, for the, early on, maybe four or so months on, um, you know, I was going to meetings, I was surrendering, I was praying every day for the first time in my life, um, and he gave me a beautiful gift. I, I was driving home from an AA meeting, nothing remarkable about that meeting or that day, and in my car, I suddenly felt this overwhelming sense of euphoria and joy and peace all kind of wrapping itself around me. And that that lasted for about 40, 45 minutes. Mm. And then it just gently drifted away. And words cannot even begin to describe this incredible feeling that I felt. Mm. 
And that's why I mentioned God's infinite power and love in that story. I, I believe I stood it. He was, I was in the presence of his infinite power and love for that 45 minute period. Mm. Mm. So that gift, one that I will never forget, helps me each and every day that when I'm encountering real world stuff, death, tragedies, disappointments, failures, I, I now just drop to my knees, read that beautiful surrender prayer, and turn it all over to God. So the greatest gift that I've been given by him, I think, is actually being able, number one, to have been in his presence, and number two, to know that he's the one who guided me through all this. Amen. That this was all the hand of God, and continues to be. Nicole and I, our marriage now is more beautiful than it's ever been because God is at the center of it. My children have welcomed me back and wrapped their arms around me because they've seen firsthand what happens to someone who surrenders to God. Right. Life is just, it's just been wonderful. That's beautiful. And that was a long answer to your question. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, uh, 30 seconds left. Where can people find the book? You can find the book on Amazon.com. And there are also, if you'd like to learn more, some YouTube videos that have been produced about me. And you can find those by going to joemcgivney.com. All right, joemcgivney.com. Also, you can find the book, as he mentioned, on Amazon. It's called You're a Miracle, My Story of Alcoholism, Miraculous Healing, and God's Infinite Power and Love. Joe, thanks so much for being on with us this morning. To our listeners, we got to head to our top of the hour break, but you don't want to go anywhere. we got... An amazing guest coming up. We've got Dr. Ray Garendi from The Doctor Is In. It's our chance to ask him whatever questions we want. It's like a it's like a you know a personal therapy session. Our own right? doctor is in. <laughs> Stay with us, we'll be right back. <laughs> 